If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. With Indeed, everything hiring is all in one place and it makes it so easy. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences each day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. The more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join the more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Indeed.com slash podcast. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey there, Fangirl Nation. You are listening to Fangirl Sports Network's Get My Job podcast on Believe. I am your host, Tracy Sandler, and I am so excited to be joined today by Detroit Lions team reporter, Danny Rogers. Danny talks about being an extroverted introvert, seizing opportunities, social media, and how she got to the Lions. Plus, we bond over being University of Michigan graduates. So I have to say, Go Blue. It's a great episode, so rate, review, and enjoy. Danny, thank you so much for joining me today for Get My Job. I have been very excited to talk to you. I'm so excited. I think we met first time maybe owners meetings last year, so it's been a full year. It, it has. I cannot believe there were already back to owners meetings in a couple of weeks at the time of recording this. So I can't believe it's been a full year, but I'm glad that I know you and I'm glad we got to meet. And I'm so glad that we are getting to talk about you and your career journey. So I am just going to have you jump right in and talk to us about your professional journey and how you got to where you are today. Gosh, yeah. It's kind of like, where do I start? But I typically go back to being a student at the University of Michigan. Uh, I was able Wait a to- minute. Did we talk about that? I went to Michigan. Wait, you did? Yes. Um, Wait, what? I mean, this is already my favorite podcast of all time. I just assumed you were from like the San Fran area, kind of. I'm actually, I'm from LA, but I went to Michigan. Go blue. We'll have to talk more offline, but- this literally just became my favorite podcast okay. of all time ever. Here ever. We go. And nobody yeah. is going to be offended by that because everybody knows how much I love my Wolverines. So there you go. All right. So continue. You were a student at the greatest university of all time. The greatest. People don't believe us when we say that, but it really, it really is the greatest. The um, greatest. I had the best time. It's I sometimes I'm like, why did I graduate? early. Why didn't I just milk that time in Ann Arbor? But mm-hmm. I was able to graduate three and a half or uh, half a semester early. So oh, wow. okay. in three and a half years um, after working with the football team and uh, getting a couple of internships with the likes of the LA Rams and the LA Sports and Entertainment Commission. So I like, I'm from Michigan. So I just kept getting sucked back out to LA, which, you know, a girl from a small town in Michigan is, you would never expect that, but mm-hmm. that's kind of just where it kept leading me back to. And so after I graduated, well, really about two, three weeks leading up to graduation, I had no job leads. I was about to graduate, no job. Um, so it was a little scary. But then I think a week up, to, a week leading up to graduation, I got two interviews, one in Northern, one in Northern Michigan, which is very cold up there. Mm-hmm. And then 
the other one in Toledo, Ohio, which was about 40 minutes from my parents' house. So went with the Toledo, Ohio one. It was, it was, I would call it more of a regional sports network down there. It was called BCSN. Did a 30 minute live show every single night, prepared me for everything in this industry. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> oh yeah. Local, <laughs> local sports will do that for you. So I think I was there for a little over two years. Um, I decided to go to freelance and, you know, just sometimes you outgrow a position and I feel like that was the best time for me to move on. And the world decided to stop a little bit because I stopped working at BCSN about six days before the pandemic hit. Oh, wow. So I think it was a blessing in disguise, Um, but I was out of work for essentially six months and this was... Yeah, 2020. So the mm-hmm. the football season after, you know, pandemic hit in 2020, I was doing some high school sideline reporting, which will humble you real quick, but mm-hmm. great memories on those sidelines. And then I was also nannying because nothing pays better than a nanny job. Mm-hmm. Um, and I still had a mortgage to pay, like yeah, and a car payment. So we we had to make those bills. Um, So that was the football season of 2020. And then really January, 2021, I'd gotten a call from a coach that I had interned for at Michigan in the football office. And he had gotten the head coaching job at the university of Arizona. It's Jed fish. So he called me. He's like, he's like, all right, five years ago, we talked about you being my, my team reporter when I became a head coach. So it's time. I'm like, say less. So, um, I had no full-time job. Uh, ran to Arizona, but unfortunately I was only there for five months because then the Detroit Lions job opened up. So within about a span of, I don't know, seven, eight months of nannying and reporting on high school football, I'd made a leap to the NFL. So it's kind of insane. And I don't really like think of it in that timeline, but that's exactly how it went. So I've been with the Lions for the last, uh, going on two years, just wrapped up season two. So here we are. So here we are at that, you know, the lions uh, for me have a little bit of a special place because go, the first game back where we were going on the road was 2021 against the lions. And yeah. it got, I actually, that weekend came in a little early, went to the Michigan game with a colleague of mine who covers the 49ers as well. He'd mm-hmm. never been to the big house. So oh, yeah. That was great. And then that was our first game back, being able to travel and just being on a field again. I mean, that was the first game back, even really being on a field because in 2020, we even the Niners games, home games, we couldn't be on the field at that time. So anyways, it was really, it was really cool. So it has a little bit of a special place in my heart. Uh, and I think your journey is incredible. And, and it segues really into my next question, especially because you bring back, you bring up the Michigan coach that you worked with who brought you to the University of Arizona. And so kind of over this time period, what have you learned about building relationships in an authentic way uh, so that these kind of things do happen? Oh gosh, that is like, that's my number one thing. And and yeah, it really does start with, it starts before I got to Michigan and I kind of just carried it without, like throughout um, high school and college. I don't know why, maybe it's my parents are, are, are blue collar. They're from Michigan. They own their own businesses. Um, like my dad works on cars. So, um, just seeing like the success that they had, they put us all through school. So, and my dad's been in business for so long because of how he treats humans. And, um, I, I, they, we never really explicitly talked about it, but 
it's just from what I would pick up from being around and, and being at his work and, and meeting people who are like, Oh, I know your dad. He's, he's the best treats. Mm-hmm. Every, he's like, yeah. he's like, he's so honest with us. He, he does a great job. So I think that's where I inherited it, but I wanted to go to Michigan so bad. And I didn't grow up a Michigan fan. We grew up as Lions fans. My sister, my older sister went to Michigan State. Um, oh, Ellen, so sorry. <laughs> I know. And then I, I don't know if it's like, oh, I want to do my own thing. I don't want to go where Big Sis is. But like I had torn my ACL in high school and was doing all of my physical therapy up in Ann Arbor um, at Michigan Medicine, which mm. is like the best of the best. So that's where we are going three times a week for about nine months. Mm. So that's when I fell in love with Ann Arbor. And then I went to my school guidance counselor and I'm like, I want to go to Michigan. They're like, do you, do you understand what you're trying to do? <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I, I was, I was smart in school. Um, I had been taking, I was about to take AP classes. I was in honors classes. Um, but it's, the second I said that they're like, okay, go take an ACT. So that was, um, an ACT test. So that was the summer after sophomore year, which I don't think some people usually do until after junior year. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'd gotten a head start on that, but I knew I wasn't going to get like a 34 on my ACT. I knew I had all the extracurriculars. I knew I had a great story of how I, you know, turned tearing an ACL into, you know, falling in love with my dream school. I'm like, okay, I got the story down. This is good. This is great. Mm -hmm. But I need a little bit more push to get into Michigan. So I tracked down the recruiting person for U of M who was taking care of my region um, in terms of high school students. So they would come to my high school, they'd talk to us, you know, try to recruit and bring more awareness to Michigan, try to get the enrollment numbers up. Honestly, I don't even know if enrollment numbers go up, but because it's so difficult to get in there. But, uh, and you know that, Tracy. But um, so I tracked this man down. I was emailing this man, Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah. Like every holiday that came up, I was saying, Thank you for coming to school. Like I kept in contact with this man and like built this little relationship up with him. And I'm like, I swear to God, that helped me get into Michigan because once they came across my name on this application, they had already seen it. They were familiar with it. And I like just, I ran with that. So I ran with the same mentality at Michigan, um, checking in on people. I was babysitting coaches, kids. Um, that's I do that I was, too. Oh, we, oh, oh they milk us for everything we got. Yeah. It really yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sundays, I wouldn't go into the football office for football stuff. I'd go in there to watch all the babies. Um who would come into the office because that's the only time they got to spend time with their dads who were mm-hmm. coaching. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they kind of just pawned them off to me and <laughs> I would <laughs> run around the football building with all these babies. Um, but that's, yeah, that's the relationship building of it. And I would have football coaches, wives who I'd like just checked in on and said hi to, and like was nice to, they'd be helping me get internships. Um, so it was just insane. And I, I just kept up these relationships and that's how it led me to the university of Arizona. Um, I didn't, I didn't really know anyone at the Lions, um, but my relationship with Laura Oakman, who I know, you know, Tracy, for um, galvanizing boot camps, I'd always kept in contact with Laura. So any big career decisions, I usually funnel them through her and and get her um, just viewpoint of it. So as soon as Laura knew I wanted this job, she made the calls uh, to just, you know, get my name onto the, the top of the, the pile for this job. So God, relationships are just, they're everything. They're my favorite part of this job. 
They're the main reason why I love talking to coaches and players and hearing about their stories. Like my favorite thing is prepping for games, like getting on phone calls and talking to these players and coaches about their stories. And then the game like is, is the easiest part of of it all. Granted, you'll, you'll have some throw ball, some curveballs thrown at you, but it's, oh my gosh, I just love learning about people. And I love asking about everything that has nothing to do with their jobs. I'd rather get to know the human, um, side of, of these football players and coaches and their families. So relationships they're Oh my gosh. So important. They'll get you so much farther than anything else in this career. Absolutely. And you've built them in such an authentic way. And you're right. Getting to know the people, like the people, not the athlete will be able to, to help you tell such a better story because people will trust you and you just have a much bigger picture. Uh, but the, the key to the whole thing is authenticity and doing it in that kind of way. And obviously you've done a tremendous job with that. So when you got to the lions and didn't know anybody, how did you start kind of ingratiating yourself and getting into the job? And, um, what was kind of the biggest transition from what you were doing before, not from nannying, but what you were doing before. <laughs> <of course. laughs> um, great question. I, I, so I'd known one person that I went to school at Michigan with, but he didn't know I was applying for the job and he didn't send the job to me. So it wasn't until, you know, I was hired that I was like, Oh my gosh, why didn't you send me the job, dude? Um, that was my question to him. Right. So, um, uh, like help a girl out, but the, I'm an extroverted introvert. Like I would rather, um, not, it's weird. It's very weird. You're, people are like, oh, you're on camera. How are you an introvert? I'm like, it's just, I enjoy talking to people, but I will be exhausted for a day and a half after like big social, social situations or after sidelining, sidelining a game where um, you're talking to like multiple people and you have to like exert so much energy. It just exhausts me. So that's why I'm an introvert. Um, but I do like talking to people. So I'm a little bit extroverted. So being an introvert, it's interesting because I don't ever want to make people, I don't want to ever feel like I'm, you know, bothering someone or I'm mm-hmm. asking too much of their time. I've learned in this industry that does not exist. And you might come across a player or coach who just uh, don't, they just don't want to give you their time, but they're so far and few in between. It's mm-hmm. rare. Mm-hmm. To come across a human who doesn't want to give you their time, especially when you're coming to them and you're trying to learn more about the game or more about them, they're not going to tell you no. So my biggest thing was making it, making sure that I was going up and just talking to players and coaches and never looking for nuggets. Well, I'm always looking for nuggets, but never making them feel like th- that they can't trust me, that I'm just going to mm-hmm. go tweet everything they tell me that I'm looking for breaking news because I'm not. Um, so it was interesting. I'd never been on the team side. I'd always been on the network side. And I would say more so, you know, when you're on the the local sports network side, you're, you are trying to break news and it's harder to get to know people. Um, but for me coming in on the team side and them knowing my motives, I think that was a really, really good transition, mm-hmm. but it was still balancing. Okay. You are on the team side. Um, there are certain things that you're going to know that you're not allowed to, you know, put into the universe right? or you're not allowed to say it just yet. So it was balancing, not putting myself in a position where I might know too much and then have to decipher what I can and cannot share. Um, but now going into year two, I mean, I just, 
I like to keep almost everything to myself that I learn. Um, because uh, I came in at this, my first year I was, I was 25 years old. I'm like, we're going for a longevity here. We're not trying to take any coaches or players off. We're not trying to break news. I'm like, it'll never hurt to not tweet something. Um, so that's what I've, the mentality I've kind of come in here and done. And, and these guys know I hustle. (laughs) They see me running around the building. They saw me at combine. Um, so I don't have to just because I'm not tweeting doesn't mean I'm not working. So that's kind of been, been some big transitions to get used to. Well, I want to go back to that for a second, because I think you bring up a really important point. First of all, there are two points you bring up. You'll never regret not tweeting it or not posting it. If you're, if you're not sure there's a reason, don't do it. Uh And the other thing is just because you're not posting or tweeting doesn't mean you're not working. And I do Mm -hmm. think we live in a world where, and understandably so, because you look around, that's what everybody's doing that we feel like we have to prove to everybody, but do the work. That's your best Mm -hmm. proof to everybody. That's really where your reputation lies is in the work you do. And that's more important than making sure everybody sees everything you're doing at all times. I I agree. And uh, I've almost considered like making a new Instagram account, like just for friends and family. So like, Mm -hmm. So I don't have to feel like I need to share everything to Mm -hmm. to the universe to make it. I just like, no, I want to share what I want to share. It's social media is so ingrained into like the daily like career of this that it's like sometimes you just kind of need a little bit of a break. And yeah, like from the team reporter side, you're going to know a lot of things ahead of other people and you're going to watch and have to sit back and and see um, other reporters break news that you already knew about. Like it's fine. It's, you're going to be okay. Um, your time will come if they, if, if they want you to break some kind of news, they will. So yeah, not getting worked up about the perception of, of tweeting and, and, and that you might not be working, but you are, it's just a lot of stuff to get tied up into, but I just, I just try not to. Kind of with that in mind, uh, is there a misstep that you're seeing women making when trying to break into the sports industry? Oh, that's a great question. Um, gosh, I mean, I, I never want women to feel like they don't belong or that they need to do things differently, mm-hmm. um, than their male, male co- counterparts. Um, this is a great question. I feel like I almost had the an- like a great answer to it. Um, gosh, I, I guess it kind of fall, yeah, along the lines of maybe sharing too much or, like I'm in the locker room all the time and there's just certain like interactions that I, I won't share and they're not negative and they're not inappropriate. It's just, I like protecting the privacy of the players and coaches. And sometimes I feel like young reporters feel like they need to tweet or post videos of those interactions. And it's like, just think about the human behind like the player or coach that you're reporting on. And it's mm-hmm. like with their, their spouses, like like want this information out there. Like, and it's, it's really not inappropriate stuff. It's just, if they're having a bad day and maybe they're a little sassy, like they can be sassy. Like they're human beings. Like that doesn't make them a horrible human. Um, I was, I was joking with our quarterback, Jared Goff this past off season. I'm like, look, Jared, you got a little sassy to the media this past season. I'm like, are you just getting more comfortable in your, in your own skin in Detroit? And he laughed. He's like, yeah, uh, a lot of people doubted us and I I was over it. And I'm like, good, good for you. So there's Uh certain times when you can share that, but 
Um, look, ladies can post what they want. Um, I'm not the biggest proponent um, of sharing too much of my personal life or making things. I don't. I don't like to make things awkward for myself. Um, and going into these rooms with coaches and, and players, so you probably won't see me post seductive photos because that's just how I'm introverted. I'm just not right. going to do that. I don't want to go into a room where a coach or player could have seen that and then be thinking if they saw it. So that's kind of like the other thing, but listen, lady, like you can do what you want. If, if it works for you, it works for me. It just doesn't. Um, and I wouldn't want anyone to ever put themselves behind the eight ball, um, in, in that light. And look, I'm all for like, I'm a big proponent of swimsuit illustrated. I love that magazine and another life I would try to be in it. Um, but just for the sake of this and getting to know, you know, players, wives and their kids, um, that's just one thing that I take. It works for me. That's how I'm going to roll. Who, you, but anyone can do what they they want. But that's just kind of how I feel about it. And maybe that's and maybe that's the misstep is being is everyone has to be authentically them. Yes. So it doesn't work for you. And if it works for someone else, great. But make it make it be authentically you. Don't do it because you think it's something you should be doing. And that's true of anything. Yeah. You know, don't don't report in a way because you think you should do it this way or but do what's what really is most authentic to you. And I know that's such a buzzword, but I do think, especially in this day and age of social media, it's so important to really be who you are. And as long as you are comfortable with who you are, that's really all that matters. I agree. And it's, yes, your authenticity is key, but it's also taking into consideration like the career, you know, that you chose. And absolutely. And it's just taking into consideration the people they might walk into a room with. I'm very, (laughs) I, I just, I, I would rather make things simple on my mental health and my state of mind. So that works for me. That works for me. And I think your mental health, I'm really glad you brought that up because that's something that I think as, as women, and it's true of men as well, but as women in this industry, we get a lot of pushback and criticism for things that have nothing to do with our jobs or our work or people think we're wrong just because we're female. And so how do you navigate that with social media and your mental health? How do you kind of balance that for yourself? Oh gosh. Um, I think this, I talked about how my dad really inspired me earlier, um, about building relationships, but my mom, (laughs) I laugh saying this, she's Italian. She's a hothead. Um, I remember her coming to school one time because a boy yelled at me in the lunchroom. Um, and she's like, oh, hell nah, you are not <laughs> doing that to my daughter. So I have been raised, honestly, not to take a lot of uh, BS mm-hmm. from people. Um, and uh, granted, people have said things on on the internet, like right when I was hired with the Lions, um, I didn't look a certain way um, or they didn't like that I was a female. I'm like, oh my gosh, the people who hired me, they knew what they were doing. They want me to be in this position. Um, I know a lot more people are more excited for me to be in this position than not. So it's really just, uh, it really is blocking out the haters. And it takes like a certain like comfortability with yourself to like be able to do that. And that didn't come when I was 22. Um, I'm 27 now. Some things still irk me if I see them. But other than that, like I just, I don't care about what random humans on the internet have to say. Um, sometimes I'll just be scrolling Twitter and just like laugh at some things, roll my eyes and like move on. 
um, is there's just some things that you don't need to waste your mental health on. Um, and it just, it, it takes a second to get there. It's, it's, it's definitely not overnight. It takes you building your career up and building more credibility and just honestly getting more reps and being better on camera. Um, but we all have like bad days and someone might comment on it. Um, but I, I, I swear, I think my mom having a, like, she does not give, um, a poop about <laughs> what other people has to say, have to say. Um, I think that's just kind of been ingrained in me and, um, I have a great support system and I can bounce things off of them. Um, and I also have really great bosses at the Lions that I feel comfortable going to them with anything. So all of that stuff helps the mental health and it's just being very choosy on what you want to spend your effort on, on battling each day. And I've just been able to, um, navigate that space a little bit better as just as I get older. Which you think comes with experience and, and age and just all of those things. And, you know, I think you're right at 22 is going to be very different than 27 is going to be very different than 30, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and that is really important, but you make a good point. It's what you choose to spend your energy on and it's not worth spending your energy on someone that someone you on something that someone you've never met on the internet behind a screen says about you. That is most likely not true. <laughs> right. Exactly. That's the thing. If you could give people advice for starting a career in your field, what would it be? I on on I can't give just one piece of advice because that's just how I am. But <laughs> the first piece of advice that does come to mind is um, when I was just starting out, I create a lot of opportunities for myself that necessarily hadn't been done before. So I will say, never say no to another a new opportunity, but also don't feel like a bunch of opportunities are just going to be bestowed on you and you don't have to go out and ask for them. A uh, majority of uh, a lot of my reps and opportunities came because I reached out to the right people and was like, hey, can I sideline for you? They're like, sure, we can't pay you anything, but you can be our sideline reporter. I'm like, okay, fine. So that's how I got probably 70 college basketball games sideline reporting on ESPN Plus under my belt and no regrets at all. I was doing that gig Tuesday, Wednesday on my off days while I was working in local sports. So I was um, just a mess during basketball season. I was everywhere, but it was so much fun and I don't regret any of it. Um, and another one is just, this is a compliment I, I got during combine week while I was hosting the audio tech guy came up to me, Floyd, he's awesome. And he, I'd never worked with him before, but he came up, he handed me my mic. He's like, this is gonna be a great week. I've heard you're, you're great to work with. And I'm like, this is freaking awesome. I'm like, that is the best compliment I could possibly receive because it's a very stressful week. Um, I would do my Detroit Lions coverage, then head over to to the stadium to do my hosting. So it's like 12-hour days. Mm -hmm. It's very stressful. So I'm like, okay, thank God. I'm just, I'm able to bring great energy to this role and, and hopefully make other people's lives easier. So while you're balancing all of these opportunities and never saying no and chasing down all these things. It is so great to remember to just be kind to the people who are, who are working honestly, probably for you. They're holding mm -hmm. your camera, holding your mic, getting you all ready. Um, it's just, it never hurts to be cognizant of, of being kind to people and they will remember it. I promise. 
100% and you want to have the reputation that you're great to work with. We've seen many people in this industry. I've seen people that I really like as humans who are awesome not have that reputation on being great to work with and it does Mm -hmm. affect them. And it's so important. So, so important. Yeah. Well, we have a couple more things to get to two of my favorite parts of any podcast. Uh, And one of them is, can you take us through a day in the life of Danny Rogers and you can pick, it can be a game day. It could be a game day during the week. Could be a day that was at the combine, whatever you want to share with us. This is okay. Great. Um, Let's do, oh gosh, let's do a game day. Let's do Sundays in Detroit home games. So I will wake up and this past season, honestly, I would get to the stadium. I'm a 40 minute drive South of the stadium. So I'm up early drive to the stadium. There's a high chance I have sweatpants on hair is not done. Makeup is not done. And I'm carrying three bags with me into the stadium. I look like that right. All sounds yes. right. <laughs> yep. Um, so I scurry my little butt up to the press um, press box because I like that bathroom and the lighting. And I do my hair. I do my makeup inside that bathroom. I change into my clothes um, while I'm still prepping for our our pregame show that I do on the video board. I, I co-host that. And so I'm prepping for that. I'm saying hi to people. I am I for how much I say I'm an introvert. I. I talk so stinking much on game days because you just, if you've been in this industry for a minute, there's a very high chance you're going to run to someone, you know, um, and it's probably going to be a catch up moment. So it takes Mm -hmm. a few minutes. So, um, after all those shenanigans, I run down to the desk, host the pregame show from 1130 to noon. And then I have an hour noon to one to get all my stuff situation situated in the press box um, get something to eat, get something to drink. And then I hurry down onto the field to say hi to most of the time opposing, uh, coaches or players that I've just known around the league, whether it was with the LA Rams or while I was at Michigan coaches I've, I've known, um, or, or players. And that's one of my favorite things ever to do is just catch up with humans and just see how it's all going. And then, I will be live tweeting the game, just giving people an update. If they can't tune into the um, broadcast, mm-hmm. they can they can look at my tweets, um, which I have so much fun with. I've I've I don't have much of a filter on myself, <laughs> but I definitely became more comfortable tweeting from my own authentic personality. Um, sometimes I have to, you know, backspace on some some tweets and, you know, okay, would, would Sheila, the owner want me tweeting? No. So then I will delete it. Um, but I become a lot more comfortable with just being myself and tweeting out the game stuff. And I don't want it to sound like any other reporter who's just, you know, sometimes it's just a little dry. I'm like, I like to spice things up a little bit. So in the meantime, I'm getting ready to host some halftime hits back at the desk where I did the pregame show. I'll go through first half highlights of the Detroit Lions, and then I'll go through highlights around the league and score updates. Um, and those are sponsored, so we have to get those in. And then I head back up to the press box after that, continue watching the game, continue live tweeting. And then depending on if we're winning or not, and we won a lot um, at home this past season, mm-hmm. I'm preparing for our, our post-game show and our post-game interview on the field with the player, which is so, so helpful for me and and my reps is being able to go out on the field right after uh, the time clock hits zero and, and interview our players on the spot. So 
Then I interview our player. Then I run over to our live show setup, which is just down on the field in front of a camera. And that live show can run from 30 to an hour long and tossing in and out to coaches' press conferences, our player interview. I have my co-host, Lomas Brown, who's the GOAT, and I love doing it with him. Um, And then we wrap, we bring all the equipment up, and I like just slowly start decompressing. I'll probably change out of my work clothes, back into the same sweats I had. And then my favorite part of one of my favorite parts of game day, the whole game day. I every every morning I wake up and it's game day in Detroit. It literally feels like Christmas today. Christmas <laughs> to me. I love that. Um, but then I go to dinner. Um, my family, my mom and dad, they have season tickets, a perk of having your daughter be the team reporter. They get season tickets and a really awesome. good seating section. And then um, I'll probably go to dinner with them um, or my boyfriend who will sit through a lot of live shows after games. Um that he can't even hear, but great sport. So, and then I go home, make the 40 minute trek home. If there's some things I want to post from the live show or the interview, I'll do that. And then I'm literally writing the script for our Monday show we film that airs on Wednesday. So literally it's just, I freaking love game days. I'm glad I love them so much because they're a lot of work, but that's the day in the life of the game day schedule. I love it. And I'm glad that you shared it. I love when people Team reporters, reporters will share game day because it, it's a big day and it looks all glamorous when you look on social media oh, or whatever, but it no. is a lot of work and no. it's really important to drive that home. So thank you for sharing that with us. That is yes. that is awesome. All right. Before I let you go, which I don't want to do because I'm having so much fun talking to you, but at some point we have to go on with our days. Uh, but before I let you go, let's do five fun facts with Danny Rogers. Yay. All right. Danny, what is your favorite moment in sports? I saw this question and I, I'm just going to do my most recent one because uh, I this one is will always be a core memory. Detroit Lions, Minnesota Vikings, last season, first win of the season at home. Amon Ross St. Brown catches a massive touchdown in the end zone, secures it. He's a rookie and Detroit Lions win and they knock off the Vikings. And that's my favorite sport moment like right now and it'll probably be a core memory for the rest of my life life motto uh-huh um hopefully is not a game plan and i took oh. that from coach baxter who was the special teams coordinator at michigan at the time i told him hopefully i'll be a sports broadcaster one day and he looked at me and he said hopefully is not a game plan i and love I that know. yes little oh. nugget of course it came from a michigan coach mm-hmm. fabulous what is your go-to workout Orange Theory, lifer, love it. Been going since 2017. Go-to coffee order? Ice vanilla oat milk latte every day. And a book every woman should read? Ooh, uh, it has the yellow cover. I'm, it has a cuss word in it. It's You Are a Badass. And I sat there, read it, had a highlighter, was highlighting almost every single page in that book. It's amazing. Every woman needs to read it. Awesome. Danny, tell us where we can find you on social, et cetera. You can, my, my name is spelled weird. Danny is D-A-N-N-I-E. There's no D in Rogers. I am not related in any shape <laughs> or form to Aaron Rogers. And there's probably an obscene amount of underscores because like the real Danny Rogers can't have her own handle. So that's where you can find me. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Danny. This was awesome. I appreciate you so much, Tracy. This is a well-oiled machine. This, What you're doing with this is amazing. So thank you. And most importantly, go blue. 
Go oh, always most importantly, go blue. If you guys like what you heard, and I know that you did, please leave us a five-star rating and a great review. If you're not subscribed, make sure to subscribe. Tell your friends. You can follow us on Instagram at Fangirl Sports Network. We are brought to you by Bet Online. And with that, I'll talk to everybody next week. Bye all. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.